Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. This is the GM Shuffle. We know Denver was never going to sign Chubb to a long-term contract. A, they didn't really value where he's going to be as a player. But for a guy that's been hurt quite a bit in his career, they weren't going to invest all this money. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, the calendar has flipped to the month of November, and it's starting to get good in the NFL. We're going to find out who's real and who's a fraud. You know, and, and this is always the month where I, I got a bunch of friends that we always send on November 10th. We exchange a text because November 10th really starts the NFL season, and it's attached to the wreck of the Emmett Fitzgerald. Now, some of the people that are too young to remember, this was a, a ship that was trying to, uh, it was an iron ore ship that was fully loaded. It was going from Superior to Cleveland, actually. And like most things that happened in the Great Lakes, in the Lake Superior, specifically weather turned, and all of a sudden they couldn't make it 15 miles to Whitefish Bay. Well, weather's turning. And is your team ready to make it to Whitefish Bay? Are you good enough to get through the weather? Are you good enough to handle the elements? Are you going to keep practicing? Can you handle the choppy waters? So even though it's kind of a turn in time, it's kind of significant on what lies ahead for all these NFL teams. And I think ultimately we will see because now the teams that keep practicing, keep working on their fundamentals and their techniques are going to be the teams that improve at the end of the year and not the teams that kind of fade away. Bill Parcells, the great head coach, always said that you don't really find out about your team until around Thanksgiving, and that's coming up just a few weeks away. So I think that we're going to really start to learn which teams are the ones that are the actual contenders and which are the pretenders. But as always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, back with us on the ones and twos. As always, you can follow Michael on Twitter at MLombardiNFL. You can follow me at Femi Abebefe. And Michael, let's get into it because some teams are trying to get better this week with the trade deadline. It came and went Tuesday was the deadline for teams to make deals in the National Football League. And the biggest one was Bradley Chubb, the Broncos pass rusher, going over to the Miami Dolphins. It also followed with an extension for Chubb that he just signed five years, $119 million, $63.2 million in guaranteed money. What was your reaction seeing Chubb now going to the Dolphins in an area where they needed a little bit of help there with their pass rush? So let's put the timeline in perspective, right? So last week we knew that Denver had a one on the table for Chubb. And why is the one significant? Well, let's back up. So we know Denver was never going to sign Chubb to a long-term contract. A, they didn't really value where he's going to be as a player. They had other guys that could fill his role. Still a good player. I'm not minimizing that. Mm -hmm. But for a guy that's been hurt quite a bit in his career, they weren't going to invest all this money because they didn't have all that money. I mean, they got to be really careful with their resources. So they know they're not signing him. So that means the best they're going to get out of him is a compensatory third. 
So basically what they said to teams were, unless you give us a two or better, we're not trading. We'll hang on to them. We'll just get the compensatory three. Miami comes in and offers the one. Okay, now they got the one in their hand. They tell Miami, you can work out a deal. The Miami and the agent work out the frameworks of a deal. They kind of come to a consensus on, remember, all deals are about guaranteed money and about average per year in the first three years. Not the, not the total sum that goes on pro football talk. The average of the first three years, that's really what matters when you're doing these deals. The sum of the deal is what the agents promote. Okay, mm-hmm. The three years is what actually is really what matters. So guaranteed money and the three years. Once they agreed on that, then the trade went through. Had they not been able to agree on that, I'm not sure Miami would have given away their one. But Miami got that deal done. Now, Miami had really no leverage. They were going to say yes pretty much to anything they did. And so the deal goes through. And so what this is symbolic of, this trade here is symbolic of why there were 10 trades. Because when teams are willing to overpay for the compensatory value, i.e., you know, you give me a two and I'm really only going to get a three for this guy, I get a two today, you know, the three two years from now doesn't mean as much. I'll take that deal. And I think that's really, when you break down all these deals, that's exactly, Rokon goes for a two from Baltimore, mm-hmm. right? He w- They were never going to sign him. They couldn't get him signed to an extension with the Bears. So now he's Baltimore's problem, and they get a two as opposed to waiting on a compensatory three. You mentioned the Broncos not really wanting to pay Bradley Chubb. They paid Randy Gregory this past March in free agency, and also Baron Browning, one of their young linebackers on the edge there, has really kind of emerged as a promising player. So there really wasn't any room for Bradley Chubb to get the money that he wanted in Denver. But now that he's in Miami, does this elevate the Dolphins into Super Bowl contender status for you? You know, it's funny. So I've really enjoyed kind of going through what I, what I have done lately on my power rankings is break down these teams into seven into 19 categories, right? And so two of the categories are basically my subjective rating of the quarterbacks and the coaches and the coaching staff's entirety. And then the other 17 are what I think are what, what matters towards winning, right? And so if you grade between in the top seven, you get a green code. If you're between 8 and 13, you get a yellow code. If you're 24 to 32, you get a red. Kind of, you know, I'm, I'm really creative with my ideas here. You know, <laughs> I mean, Springsteen better watch out. Yeah. So anyway, so, uh, I mean, so, so when you go through Miami's team, right, and you look at where they are as a total team in those categories, and, you know, I, I love how my timeline after Tua plays a good game, I get all the Tua lovers coming back. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody sent me anything after he almost threw five interceptions last week, but that's, that's beside the point. But anyway, so when you go through Miami, they're not strong. Other than, other than a category that, that basically accumulates the, your opponent's percentage of win, how many turnovers, all those things that go into what, what, what is called kind of luck, they're at sixth in the league in that category. They're not in any of the top categories. They're not. Where they're really weak is points per defense, per play defensively, and mm-hmm. defensive sack per play. And this kind of helps in that area, or you think will help in that area. But I'm not sure it will. I think their secondary hasn't played to the level that they need it to play to. And their rush, I don't think Chubb is a, an elite get-the-ball-out-quick rusher. I think he's a good rusher. I think he's a lot like, and I don't think he's as good as, but I think he's similar to Mario Williams, where there's not going to be mm. instant pressure. Randy Gregory gives you instant pressure. He wins with speed and quickness, right? This kid that they just traded for, Jacob Martin, who went to the Jets this year, didn't play well for the Jets, but he has played well in his career. Mm-hmm. He gives that kind of instant pressure. Speed to power, speed to inside, those. I think it helps Miami. 
I think they they went all their chips in. They, but they've got to get better in a lot of these categories that determine winning. I mean, throwing scoring that many points against the Lions, great. Pat yourself on the back. You know, proud of of Tua. Call him the best player in the league. We'll see where this goes. I thought this was an interesting note, though, Michael, from Albert Breer. He said the Dolphins, they got three first-round picks back in the deal for with the 49ers where they ended up going up to get Trey Lance. And all three of them, the Dolphins, ended up trading them. And in those picks, they were able to get Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and now Bradley Chubb. So they're paid a pretty yeah. penny to get all of those guys, but those are guys that are well, proven they, commodities. I mean, they, they, this and they're capped. They're going to be capped, strapped. Now, yes. here's the reason they can do it is because Tua's contract is cheap. Mm-hmm. So this is what year? This is year three of three. Tua. Yep. Right? Are we? All right. So they got another another year on this cheap deal before they have to. So. You know, the owner has made it very clear. He wants to win. He's in his 80s. He wants to win immediately. So they just put all their chips in the middle of the table. And, you know, they're they're worried about today and a little bit towards tomorrow. And we'll see if it can happen. But they had to get better on defense, Femi. I mean, they're not – they were not good enough so far on defense. They're too they, – they, they want to play man-to-man. They're in a double-sync look. People kind of know what they're doing. And, you know, people have moved the football effectively on them. And other than the game in Detroit, which Detroit had a 31-17 lead at the half, believe it or not, they scored 31 in the first half, didn't score a point in the second. I mean, people have moved the ball on them all day. It's just, you know, they've played, they've had some opportunity. I mean, Pittsburgh's got They're throwing the ball towards the end zone to win the game. Yeah, the, the, they needed some help on defense. We'll see if Bradley Chubb can give them that help. But we also saw a trade, interdivision trade, during the season, which you don't see too often between the Lions and the Vikings. The Vikings acquiring... TJ Hawkinson, the first round tight end um, for a second round pick and then also a 2024 third round pick. Minnesota gets back a 2023 fourth rounder and a 2024 fourth rounder. How do you think Hawkinson helps this Minnesota offense? Well, I mean, it helps them in the middle of the field, right? So I, I think, you know, football, we always say is grass on, is chess on grass, right? So in chess, if you control the middle of the chessboard, you're, you're going to control the, 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 the game. And, and the same thing with football. If you control the middle of the field, you, you can control the game. And how do you control the middle of the field? You run it, you throw it inside. In between the numbers is essentially where you got to win the game. And this gives them another player to play inside. They've got Cal, Dalvin Cook. He's better than Irv Smith Hawkinson. You know, he's a, better, he's a better receiver. He's a better route runner. And with Jefferson on the outside and Thielen now, it gives them a lot of weapons in their offense to really go forward. I mean, this Minnesota team... In, in all the categories that I, that I break down, even though they don't look pretty. I mean, last week I had them as a six-point. I had I, They should have been a six-point favorite against Minnesota, mm-hmm. against my uh, against the, the Cardinals. And, of yeah. course, naturally I'm too stupid to recommend it, right? <laughs> you know, because all their numbers in Minnesota are really good. Points per play, they're seventh. Eighth in offensive line protection. Fourth in red zone trips. Fifth in fourth quarter offense. I mean – you know, the only category that they're not very good in is 23rd. And this is probably why for us as betters and teams that handicap them is they're 23rd in punts per play. We see a lot of punts with them. We, we see that horrible game they had in Miami where they ended up winning even though they only had about two or three drives in the game. But they're really good. But they are good. And I think this makes them a, a better offense. And if they continue to play complementary situational football like they're doing, I think they got a hell of a chance. They're certainly winning a lot of close games, something that they couldn't do 
last year under the previous regime. Staying in the North, Michael, the Chicago Bears, they got a target from my guy Justin Fields, trading a second-round pick for Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool. I knew you'd get a chuckle out of that one there. Uh, but what do you make of Claypool now going over to the Windy City to be paired up with uh, JF1? Well, I think it, it's a – to me – I like the move because if you've got Justin Fields, you need big receivers. You need big – because he's not accurate, right? So you need guys with, with big catch radiuses who can go get the football. And I think this gives them that. It, I mean, it's why A.J. Brown is so good for the Eagles offense, you know, because Hurts is not always going to be precise like he was last week with his throws. And if you got a guy who can win all the jump ball situations and then he's really good with it after the catch, that gives you a chance. I'm surprised they did this partly because – I felt like, look, they're so bad in the offensive line. They need to get better in the defensive line. I thought they would save their resources for that. But they need receivers, too. Mm -hmm. So it gives them a chance to, to do that. I mean, trade Rokon Smith. I know Rokon leads the league in tackles. I felt like Rokon was t is too heavy. I don't think he's as fast or as explosive as he once was. I think if, when he gets to Baltimore, if, they, if he loses some weight and gets back to where he was a year ago, and a lot of this is probably contract-related, uh, I, I think that certainly will help Baltimore as well. But remember, I mean, they did this deal for Roquan because they, were, they weren't going to sign him. Yeah. Now they get two more years out of Claypool, and it cost them a two, and they have extra. So, you know, we'll see. But I think it does fit where they're going off. They're going to be a six-back offense. I mean, I think that's clear now. They've gone mm -hmm. through this year. They've had eight games. They know what they are offensively. It's going to be a six-back we're going to run it with, with the quarterback. We're going to limit how many times he's got to throw it, and we'll see if we can win some games. Do you think Baltimore gives Roquan an extension now, or do they wait for the offseason? I think they wait and see what it costs them for Lamar. I don't know how you can sign Roquan until you know what you're paying for Lamar. I mean, Lamar's kind of the straw that stirs the drink, right? So, you know, it's like you, you can't buy the buffet table, the, 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 the piece, until you know what the dining room table is going to look like, right? You know, you don't want to spend more on the on, on the on the holding piece than you want to do on the dining room table, right? So you got to put things. What's it going to cost us here? And then once you figure that out, or you're within a million, or you kind of have it on your cap over three years, then you can make a decision: Do we sign this player or do we not? And then what does he really want? You know, why was the holdup? Why couldn't Chicago sign him? I think Baltimore will be be like, well, they'll follow the Carpenter's rule: they'll measure twice, cut once. The last trade I want to get to you with Michael here is the Falcons trading suspended wide receiver Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is an exchange for a 2023 fifth round pick and a potentially a 2024 second rounder. I believe that's one that's kind of based on uh, how many snaps or whatever happens with the, his incentives there. But uh, what do you make of Ridley going over to Duval County now as the Jags try to shore up what has been a weakness for this team? And I think that's a lack of having a wide receiver one. Oh, I do, and I think this is obviously a, a long-term play, right? So I think it's a smart play by Trent Balky because he gets a number one receiver. I mean, remember, when, when Ridley was healthy two years ago, not last year where he had the depression, and then, of course, he got suspended for, for gambling. You know, I mean, he was really a number one receiver. He was outstanding. I know he had Julio, but Julio hasn't been Julio for years. Yeah. So I, I think that, that that's the case. I mean, Ridley really is good. So it gives them a legitimate number one. Christian Kirk even though they paid him like a one is not a one. So it, now they are now they're moving towards that buffalo model a little bit where they they've got if they can get the quarterback to be consistent, they've got a chance to really be a good offense with when they get this guy back next year. So would you rather have Ridley for 2 years at a really cheap deal 
think he's going to make $11 million. His contract gets told, right? So it isn't that he, you know, his contract doesn't disappear for 22 when he goes to 23. His 22 contract gets told to 23, and then his 23 contract becomes 24. So they get two years of a cheap contract out of him. I think it's a smart play. It's, it's kind of a futuristic. It doesn't help him today, but it certainly helps him for the future. One might say it's a futures bet on Calvin Ridley. Uh, there was an NFL record 12 players traded, most on deadline day in the last 30 years. It was an unprecedented day Tuesday, but it was a lot of fun in the National Football League. But, Michael, before we take our break here, uh, sad news in the NFL with the former San Francisco 49ers executive was the GM there as well, John McVay, passing away on Tuesday. I know you had some crossover with McVay there. He was a part of five Super Bowl championship teams with the 49ers um, and it's a sad day there. Obviously, we send our condolences out to the McVeigh family, and it's someone that you knew very well. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been very fortunate to be in, you know, my, my journey in the NFL started uh, when I was able to, when I, when I got my first job, Tony Brazano hired me as an area scout. And part of that job was I was able to, to then, you know, I had to go and take care of all the pro boards, right? So mm-hmm. in John McVay's office at 7-Eleven Nevada Street, I can still see it. You know, it was there, and and on and on the large wall was was a uh, was a magnetic board that I had to keep up to date, right? So I had to go in there and make sure everything was up to date and handled and go through all that. And so I would, he would literally let me come in, no matter who he was on the phone with. And I would listen to him have his conversations because remember that was when cell phones weren't involved and he was literally on the phone sitting at his desk pretty much most of the day. And and any errand I had to do, he, he would, he would tell me what he wanted me to do. So, you know, and and I, what I loved about coach McVeigh, I always called him coach was he was the unsung hero. He never tried to be bigger than the program. He worked for coach Walsh. He made it a point to make everybody understand that coach was running the team and that he was the master behind the scenes. He kind of made sure everything got done and everything got handled. And, and, and I think ultimately that's the role of an executive. And he taught me the role of an executive, that it's more important for the coach to be out front than for the general manager. And he was selfless. I mean, this is a man that, you know, people forget the miracle in the Meadowlands. He was the head coach of the Giants. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason they had to do the handoff between Joe Pasarczyk and, and Larry Zonka was back then the officials – were the only persons that really knew how much time was left in the game. And so it wasn't like today where you can take the snap, kneel down, and look at the clock and wait to kneel down before you go down and run the clock out, right? So the official, and nobody in the stands really knew how much, was, there was no official time on the field. So nobody really knew that. So teams then had to do the exchange. And so because of that, the fumble picked up and, these two teams that were playing in the Meadowlands game, they were even in terms of records. I mean, it could have it propelled the Eagles to 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 their to their season of the wild card, and it and it killed the Giants, and he got fired. And yet he went and did exactly what coach wanted him to do, and he was selfless. He was an honest person. He was very fair to me. I, I talked to him later in life a lot of times. I can remember when I got the GM job of the Browns. He called me and congratulated me and said that, you know, my ne- my grandson is going to be a great coach. Mm. And that was when I got introduced to Sean by him on that. So, you know, I have great memories of Coach McVeigh, and, and he'll be missed. And, and it was a, a lot of fun learning from him. It really was. Yeah, he'll definitely be missed in the, the NFL family. And just like, like you mentioned, Sean McVeigh, his grandson, head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. It shows you the kind of the lineage and the family ties that this league has. And uh, you, you know, 
you know, the thing that I always felt like it was, it was, it was to me, I, I think this sums it up the best. Uh, mm -hmm. When, when Walsh, you know, McVay didn't really was one of those guys. If you walked in his office, he didn't have pictures of himself. He was very selfless. And, but the one picture, if you went to his home that he had, he had a picture of coach Walsh on his wall and it was signed to him from coach Walsh and coach Walsh just wrote to him. You are the master. And I think that's the right word. That's an awesome point to end it on there. Our condolences once again to the entire McVeigh family as John McVeigh passing away at the age of 91. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back on the other side of the GM Shuffle. All right, this is the best time of the year for any sports fan. The college basketball tournament is coming up. Who could get enough hoops? And I'm rooting for Arizona this year. I'm a West Coast guy. I want to see a West Coast team win it. Hasn't been done since 1997. Hopefully the Wildcats can get it done. But regardless of who makes it to the final game in the tourney, one thing's for certain. It takes the most talented people working together to help these teams play at this level. And if you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. And right now, our friends over at ZipRecruiter can help you do that. ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. You can try it out, no cost whatsoever. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for your position. Once you review your list of the most qualified candidates, you can easily invite your top choices to apply so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a win team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Michael, week nine begins tonight, Thursday night football over on Amazon wow. Prime between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Houston Texans. Philadelphia at our show sponsor, DraftKings, 13 and a half point favorites, total 45 and a half here, Michael. Uh, how do you see this one shaking out? I mean, look, I, I, I see it shaking out as an Eagle win. I mean, I think the question is, I'm shocked, to be honest with you, Femi, I'm really kind of shocked that this line didn't move over to just to 14. I'm surprised it stayed under the 14. You know, only because the Eagles, you know, and, and, I, and the Eagles are, one of the areas the Eagles are not strong in is their fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And that's because they've given up so many points that, that, that they're in such control of the game, it doesn't matter. My line for this game was 16.6, right? And so as I, yeah, I mean, think <laughs> about that. As I talk about, as I talk about these teams, Right, so if I talk about these teams and I break them down, so I, as I talked about, green, yellow, and red. Right, so if you're in the top seven in so many categories, you get a green. You know, eight to thirteen, you get a, eight to twelve, you get a red, a, a yellow, and then the the twenty four to thirty two, you get a red. I mean, Philadelphia is the they have fourteen areas where they're in the top seven. Fourteen. They have one area where they're in the yellow, and they have no areas in the. They have one area in the red. That's the fourth quarter, and they're playing against a team like Houston that really, you know, was a disappointingly coached last week. I mean, when you go, when you know the opposing game plan is all run, and you don't stop the run, you can blame the players, but you got to you got to take some responsibility. And when you watch, when you watch the Texans, they're only good in one. They're not even. They have no strengths. 
They're one yellow and they have twelve green. They have twelve reds. It's a pretty tough matchup. I mean, of all the teams this week, the number two team in terms of what I call game codes mm-hmm. is is the Philadelphia Eagles. The bottom team is, is the Houston Texans. So, I mean, I would be shocked if Philly didn't win by fourteen. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they backdoor covered and only won by 10. But I think Philly's going to win. You know, the Texans don't do anything well. They don't do any. They can run the ball, but they don't really have a creative running game. Their offense is almost high schoolish. You know, I don't know where Davis Mills is. I really don't. He, right now, he doesn't look good enough. He looks like a third-string quarterback who's going to f- fizzle out of the league. Although, I'll say this. If Bill Walsh were alive and he watched Davis Mills, he would like Davis Mills a lot. Like, I think there's the difference, right? There's like, he could see it. Like, Davis Mills isn't Rich Gannon, but Davis Mills has got something to him in his foot quickness and his movement. Yeah. His decision making isn't great, but I don't think it's the right offense. And defensively, I mean, you know, look, I mean, look, the, the defense is just, and when you give up 300 yards to a guy you know is getting the ball, what, what can I tell you? It'll be what a are whole, you playing? Oh, oh. Who, who are you playing? What are you doing? Well, I mean, you're the gambling expert on this show. What are you playing? <laughs> the expert. We, we use that term loosely. But uh, I played Houston, Michael. I, I, I took the 14. when it, it flashed at 14 a couple days ago, and, and I went and had it and bet it. I don't feel confident about it. I'm probably going to hate it midway through the second quarter. But I ha- out of principle, I had to take it. It's, you're giving me two touchdowns on a short week with the home team. And I get everything that you're saying, and that's why we have the line the way it is here with two touchdowns near, but – I just had to. I just had to play it because with the second half Eagles, like you mentioned, their fourth quarter deficiencies in terms of scoring, the back door is going to be wide open. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for Houston to go ahead and come inside that back door. And I think that Philly, just knowing that they'll have the the game in hand in the second half, I don't think they're going to care about winning by a big margin in this game. So I think it'll be self preservation. You think they'll the have Eagles. the World Series game on it? You think they'll have the World Series <laughs> game on for the fans that go there? They're going to have it in the concourse. That's what they said. They'll have the, the the TVs in the concourse. will have the the World Series game on. So maybe some of the Texans fans they turn away when they're down by seventeen at halftime and they go to the concourse to watch their Houston Astros. But uh, it, it'll be on in the building. But it won't be on when you're actually inside the stadium. But it, it's a, it's going to be a homecoming for Jalen Hurts. He's from the Houston area. And Michael, I saw this note here from NFL Network's James Palmer. He said since Jalen Hurts became the Eagles' starting quarterback back in Week 14 of 2020. The Eagles are second in the NFL in rushing yards per game, just behind Baltimore. They're first in rushing touchdowns with 45. And over that same time frame, the Texans are last in rushing yards per game allowed and last with the 43 rushing touchdowns allowed. So like you said, it's probably a mismatch in the trenches, and the Philly will probably run all over them. But hopefully in running all over them, they run the clock out as well. I think, too, this is a game about, you know, and I've always been critical of, the Eagles not allowing their head coach to be the head coach, right? Mm-hmm. And as I've gone through this year, I think to me, I've been wrong in that co- in that context, in the sense that the Eagles organizationally has lifted their head coach because I think what the Eagles have figured out is there's not really a strategist available to them. There's th- this idea that we can hire a coach who's a strategist who gets it is is really hard. And so this is a game. So they strategize. I mean, the Eagles. What what that number tells you? The, I've worked for Joe Jeff Lurie. He wants to throw the ball. N- nothing gives him more pleasure than throwing the football. But what they strategize is how to develop an offense that fits their quarterback. And then they strategize how to fix their defense. Because remember, last year they could they weren't playing very good defense. They were too soft, and 
they've attacked and they've done. So they've done a really good job of strategizing and building their team and then implementing that on Sundays. Whereas Houston is what I call a scheme coach, right? Lovey's going to run his scheme. Doesn't really matter what the opponents do. You know, there's four kind of coaches, Femi, you can hire, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to see this going forward. There's the schemer, right? That's the guy that has the offense or the defense that comes in and runs the scheme. You know, Lou Holtz used to say, that's a schemer. Schemer. You know, you're a schemer. He used to, he used to kill coaches all the time. You're a schemer. You're not a coach. You know, so they come in and run their scheme. And if you're attached to Sean McVay, you become even a valued schemer. Zach Taylor's a schemer. Matt LaFleur's a schemer. Then there's the then there's the kind of coach that is the 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 basically the the uh, overseer right he kind of oversees everything that's Ron Rivera he hires a defense coordinator lets him do it hires an offense coordinator lets him do it special teams kind of oversees and manages the team but really doesn't interject into what the game should be right doesn't mm-hmm. walk into the defense and say I want to do this this and this and this week I want to do this this and this. Right, And then there's the recruiter, which is really only related to college, the Mario Cristobals, who can recruit their ass off. But really, once the game starts, Ed Orgeron, the, once the game starts, they, they really are just watching like you and me, right? And then there's the strategist. And we're a league that has very few strategists. So the Eagles have developed a model within their organization to compensate for that. And I think you got to give them a ton of credit for that. I, I finally figured it out. Like, I've been sitting here wondering how they're doing it, and that's it. And whereas these other teams... They keep hiring schemers, and they wonder why they have no strategy. Last note on this, Michael, before we go to break here. It will mark the seventh time that a World Series and NFL game take place on the same day involving the same two metro areas in Philadelphia and Houston. Pretty cool stuff. Hey, hey Femi, if, if yeah. this rating for this football game is higher than the World Series, then baseball's got a huge problem. It will be. It will be. NFL's can. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side, we'll talk about some rookie head coaches here on the GM Shuffle. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. All right, Michael, we've had a number of rookie head coaches this year have some success, and you just recently brought up about how coaches fall into four different categories, schemers, recruiters, CEOs, and strategists. And I want to kind of put each one of these guys into one of those categories. Let's start off with Brian Dayball. Just overall, what do you think of what he's done so far 
through eight games with this New York Giants team sitting at six and two. In my opinion, he's looked like the best rookie head coach we've seen up until this point. Well, I, I think Brian has proven that he is the, the strategist, that he's taken a step back, that he's not egocentric, that he's got to be seen looking at a play sheet call in the game. Like he's called in a lot of football games, you know, mm -hmm. and I think what he's done is he strategized from week to week how to win the game. I think that's why they've been successful. I don't think their team's very talented, you know, but they, they've done a nice job of strategizing every week. They're good in the critical areas of how to win the game, and he's managed it, and he's taken risk. He's understood the game. He's watched the game. He's watched the flow of the game. And so, therefore, because of that, he's made good decisions in the game, and his team's responded. I think, to me, it's an old-school approach, but it's kind of the right approach, and it's finally happened. And at least Brian now will have a conversation with Sir Wink Martindale about, well, this is what we need to do, or with Matt Mike Kafka, this is kind of where I have to see it. You know, So I, I think he deserves high praise for what he's accomplished. I thought it was really interesting in the offseason when it came out that he was going to give the play-calling duties to Mike Kafka, and everyone was like, whoa, like, Dayball, you were hired for this job because of what you did in Buffalo as a play caller. And he said, you know what? No, I want to sit back and and, and uh, elevate Kafka here and see if we can do this thing this way. And so far, it's, he's pressed all the right buttons as a head coach. And I think the strategist point for him here is why you've seen the Giants in the fourth quarter being able to make those adjustments and grind out some wins against teams that are probably more talented than they are. Kevin O'Connell, though, is the guy that quietly – has the best record of these first-year head coaches, 6-1, and one, the Minnesota Vikings here. What have you made of a KOC out there in the Twin Cities? You know, I think Kevin's done a, a nice job of kind of scheming what he wants to do, kind of, and, and letting Ed Donatel run it. I think Kevin's a schemer. I think he maybe eventually could become a, a strategist, but I think partly the reason why Minnesota hired the new general manager as an analytical-based guy is I think they want to follow the Philadelphia model that the organization can help carry the head coach. That, you know, they're going to be involved in a lot of these strategy, analytical decisions based on how the game is going. Uh, and maybe there'll be a time where O'Connell will give away the play calling and take a step back and look at the game. But I see him more as a young Sean McVay's got a really an experienced defensive coordinator. He's letting him run that side of the football and they've been very good. They've been fortunate to win these close games. I mean, they don't look pretty doing it, but they do. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel, he's 5-0 and when his quarterback starts and finishes a game. Now, that's been an issue for them, too, of being banged up this season. But at 5-3, and three, right in the middle of the playoff mix, we talked about them adding Bradley Chubb. What's your evaluation on McDaniel here through eight games? Well, I mean, McDaniel, you know, he's been a very good schemer. And so he's got the scheme going. And, you know, when he can get, when he plays against certain teams like Detroit that are really shitty on defense, they look a lot better than they are. They haven't really scored a lot of points other than when they play bad defenses, the fourth quarter of Baltimore and then this game. But I think he's done a, a good job of understanding his role. I don't necessarily like, I don't think he's a strategist. I don't think he's fixed the defense through the season. The defense has actually gotten worse. But, you know, for what they're doing and the players they have around them, you know, I think that's been a, a good fit. Do I think it's sustainable? I, I, I'm debating. I think, it's a, I think he gets a C-plus so far. Well, McDaniel will be going up against fellow rookie head coach Matt Eberflus of the Chicago Bears. The Bears sitting at 3-5, and five, but have been showing signs of life over the past couple of weeks here. Eberflus being a defensive guy, we don't see these defensive coaches really get jobs anymore since everything is trending towards the offensive side of the football here. But so far, I think Eberflus has done a pretty good job with the hand that he was dealt, in my opinion. 
Well, I think I think to me, and, and I've never thought Eberflus was a great defensive coordinator. I never have. I thought he was too generic, too basic, and I thought it was just it, there wasn't enough intellectual stimulation within it. I think he's a way better head coach than he was a defense coordinator. Mm. I think he's managing the game. I think he's taking a step back. I think he's finally figured out what offense they need to run since the New England game about they're going to be a six-back team, and that's who they are. You know, and defensively, they're going to try to get better. I mean, they traded two really good players, but they were probably were a really good player. I'm a, I mean, Robert Quinn may come out and rush in that role, but for them to go forward with Rokon and Robert, I mean, Rokon, if he's healthy and fast, okay, but I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to think that he was in the best. Sh- I didn't see him in great shape. So I, I am pleasantly, look, I, I admit what I say about Iberflus defensively. But the way the role he's assumed is different than what I thought he was going to do. I thought he was going to be the defense coordinator coach in the Bears, and he's been the head coach, and I applaud him for it. And I think he's done a really good job. Last and maybe least, Nathaniel Hackett out in Denver, Michael. Uh, the Denver Broncos off now, to a I, rocky start. <laughs> what, I, I what, mean, what do you want to say Nathaniel's about Nathaniel's everything we're talking about. He's everything yeah. we're talking about. Nathaniel's scheming, right? And so nobody's managing the game. And so you can bring in Jerry Rosberg, but managing the game, what fans don't, is it, Mike Rabel manages the game starting on Monday. And then he manages the game on Sunday based on what he's done all week. It's the same thing Belichick does. So you can't really bring, have Jerry Rosberg in there if he's not controlling how we practice, if he's mm-hmm. not controlling how much attention is given to special teams or this and that. That's the job of the head coach. And so Nathaniel's been a schemer. And the scheme's not very good. We know this, right? The scheme's been kind of very generic. It's funny. All the conversations about Pete's offense being high schoolish have now transferred to Denver being high schoolish, right? Is there, what's the similarity between that? You figure it out. So, <laughs> coming after you know, my guy. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think to me, you know, I think Nathaniel would have been a lot better to step back and say, here's the offense I want to run. You know, I want to manage this game. I got to make sure the defense has my personality in it. I got to, you know, I, we got to have some toughness, but that hasn't. But the, the, but, but think about it. He's a schemer. He was close to LaFleur, who was close to McVay. That's how you get jobs. Is it possible to be a strategist and a schemer at the same time? Yeah, that's what Coach Walsh was. Yeah, I mean, that's what he was. I mean, that's who he was. But he wasn't on defense, too. And so what Bill did was a, what Coach Walsh was able to do was stimulate the strategy on defense too. You know what people think that the standard of excellence, those seventeen principles that he had, was that was that was the core, the foundation of the team was we're going to build with we're, we got to have a great pass rusher because if we're going to win games, we got to close it out. Mm-hmm. You know we got to have a defensive. I mean it was all those things. He was as much involved with the defense. As it was, and for all these West Coast guys that praise have Coach Walsh's pitcher up in their office, he felt the receiver position was the last one to pay attention to. You know, <laughs> he thought that was the last one, and so yeah, I think he was. I I think there was a. I mean, Tom Landry ran everything. Tom Landry was a was a schemer on. Remember, he was a defense coordinator with the Giants. He called yeah. all the plays with the Cowboys. I mean that we've lost that, and what we've really lost, Femi, is a sense of history. Okay, so now. So the league has changed, and the fans don't see this, but the league's really changing. So we are now in a double-sync look. Everybody's running double-sync mm-hmm. on defense, which means they cover up the guards and they put somebody over the center. And so now, because they want to take away the RPOs and they want to be able to get instant pressure inside. And so now the game has become 
is evolving back to the teams that want to be more two-back. So what San Francisco did against against the Rams is kind of the evolution of where this is going, right? If you go back and it's because the C-gaps in this front are really vacant, and there's really not a way to fit into it. And the run fits are so shitty now because nobody practices that if you just run two-back runs with, mm-hmm. with modification – the Joe Gibbs offense is back in vogue. You, Al Davis's old school offense, the 60s, where we're going to run power runs and we're going to throw it deep because they're not giving corners help anymore. And if you have vertical outside speed, you can make explosive plays and run the ball. And I think if you don't have a sense of history, this is where Walsh had everybody beat. You know, as I, as I write about in my new book, he would sit on that airplane, he would sit on that bus, draw in Clark Shaughnessy plays. If you don't have a sense of history, to understand the schemes, the adaptation of the schemes, how the schemes died, how they come back, you can't modify your game plan. It's what what's happens with LaFleur. It happens with Zach Taylor. They know one way of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. They make grilled cheese this way. They're not changing how they make grilled cheese, right? They don't remember how grilled cheese was made another way. And so they just keep doing it. I think the NFL being cyclical is one of the coolest things about this sport is that Everything kind of comes back full circle from way back when. But, Michael, let's take our final break. On the other side, we'll get to Sunday slate for week number nine. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. All right, Michael, let's get to Sunday slate here for week nine. And we'll start off in the AFC East where the Buffalo Bills are 12-point favorites against the New York Uh Jets on the road. Their total sitting at 47. Is this just a Bills massacre here, or do you think the Jets can keep this one close? Well, I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to what the Jets decide to do with their quarterback. Do they let them Mm -hmm. participate? You know, I mean, their matchups don't favor them at all. I mean, their quarterback is one of really not playing very well. I mean, so they got to be careful with what they do with him. And, you know, when you look at this, I mean, Buffalo is strong. I talked about Philly being strong in 14 areas. Buffalo is strong in 15. I mean, Buffalo is by far the strongest team. The only area that they have a slight deficiency in is the fourth quarter. They're 20th in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. That's it. Everything else, they're really good. And so, you know, when you break down this team, 
this Jet team, they have to win with defense. They have to win with controlling the ball, and they've got to run it. And Sean McDermott's smart enough to know that that's going to be the game plan. He just watched Zach Wilson turn it over. So they're going to, he's going to see a lot of screens. He's going to see a lot of easy throws and a lot of run. And the Jets' offensive line isn't good enough to really do that. So unless the Jets create turnovers, which, you know, the Jets' third down defense is 23rd in the league. They're not exactly like, you know, they're, they're really good in red zone defense. They're eighth but they're not really good at, at being able to create the turnovers that you need. So it's going to be a hard game. I had this game as, let me see here, Buffalo, Jets. I had this as a 10.5 game. So, you know, if I have to play anybody, I'm taking the Jets. Whew, man, Godspeed <laughs> taking the Jets in this game. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I don't trust – I mean, the Jets, the Jets are so bad on third down offense – Mm-hmm. You know, that I don't, they're 23rd. They, they don't get a red check there, but they should. I mean, they're just not good enough on third down. I mean, that third, that's third down defense, third down offense. You know, they're not very good at all. So the Dolphins will be in Chicago this Sunday, taking on the Bears right now. Miami five point favorites, total 45 and a half here. Weather should be pretty good is what they're projecting around 60 degrees yeah. out there in the windy city. So we might see another track meet here from this Dolphins offense. Well, I mean, we say that, but they've had one game where it's been a track beat in a quarter. It's been only against Detroit. Now, you know, we know Chicago's not a great team uh, defensively, but one thing about when you play Miami, I mean, when you play Miami and you're a zone concept defensive coordinator like they are in Chicago, you know you got to play zone, right? You know you're going to have to play it and you're going to have to get and you're going to have to make sure you limit the explosive plays. I mean, you got to encourage Miami to run the ball. You got to take away the, the. You got to say, okay, we're going to play two. We're going to pack the inside of the field, and we're going to make them have to th- run the ball and see if they'll be willing to run it. And I don't know. You know, I mean, that's the hard part. I have this as a five point five point oh six game on my power ranking. There we go. Well, you know, and so, but I think the Bears, at least the Bears offensively, kind of found out where they need to go. And, and this could set up good against the Miami team, like I said, that hasn't played great defensively. I'm curious to see where you have this next game here, Michael. Colts at the Patriots. New England five-and-a-half-point favorites. Total sitting at 40. It'll be the first road start for Sam Ellinger, and he's going up against the best defensive mind the game has ever seen here. Uh, I think New England wins this by a touchdown. Uh, what say you? Well, I mean, look, this is two teams that love to turn the ball over, so I think you've got to be really careful. You know, and last week New England turned it over once, but they, they have been very bad at turning the ball over. And, you know, I think ultimately when, when I have this, I had this as a 5.43 game. That was my number when I broke it down. You know, now the thing is New England is, you know, both these teams have deficiencies in areas. New England's got four red checks and they have five greens, whereas Indianapolis only has two greens and they've got four yellows and four reds. So, you know, I mean, I think this is going to be a really close game. I think five's too many points. I really mm. do, Femi. I think it's going to be hard for New England to cover. But I think New England's got to win this game with their defensive front, and they can't turn the ball over. I mean, that's what happened to them last year when they played against them. They had a chance to beat them on that Sunday night, and they turned it over, and it cost them, it cost them a chance to, to, to play, have a home, home game. You know, play out. It kind of started them down the wrong slide. But the way they played last week offensively, New England – their offensive line was not very good. And, mm-hmm. you know, the right tackle situation, whether it's Wynn or Gannon, has been problematic. 
David Andrews right now still in concussion protocol as well, their center. So that's something that if they don't get him back, like you mentioned, the offensive line issues could continue. But I, I think Ellinger's going to make some mistakes here. First road start against a Belichick defense. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think Mack will be a little bit better uh, now that he's a couple of games removed from that injury here. Chargers and the Falcons in Atlanta. I think this is going to be oh, one boy. of the more fun games that we see. Uh, right, guy, well, uh, where are you going? I want to hear where you're going on this one. I want to hear where my, my astute analysis is going. I want to hear yes. your commentary here. Our guy Brandon Staley back from the bye is now a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Atlanta Falcons, total 49-and-a-half. Uh, initially in the week, I thought I was going to like the Chargers, but then we heard Keenan Allen say that he kind of re-aggravated the hamstring during the bye week when he was training. So I took the points. I, I went with the Atlanta Falcons. I took the three and a half. I think their run game allows them to keep this close against a pretty soft run defense. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if they can play any run defense. I mean, that's been, the, that's been their issue, right? So I think to me, you know, this sets up perfect for the Chargers because Atlanta can't cover anybody. I mean, you and I are going to get 100 yards against Atlanta the way their <laughs> secondary plays, right? And, and, and I mean, and then... I mean, the Chargers are not a great run defense team. They give up big runs, and I think Arthur Smith has done a great job of being a strategist too because give him credit now. He calls the plays, mm -hmm. but he's kind of tried to run the game to try to take away some. He knows his defense isn't very good. So I, I would lean towards the points. I mean, look, Atlanta's one of the best cover teams in the league, yep. you know, and they're, what, they're 6-2 and two cover. They've lost the last two on the ATS, but coming off the bye – I don't trust it, but this should be a Justin Herbert show. I mean, yeah. they should make plays, but without Keenan Allen and without Mike Williams, it's tough. It's a different game. And <laughs> and that offensive line, let's not forget, bad lines don't travel well. And this Charger line is bad because they've lost some starters. And I think that could be a factor here too. I think this is going to be the game where red zone is just constantly on this one because I think both of these offenses are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field, and it's probably come down to – the fourth quarter, and who doesn't make mistakes? And both of these teams, it's a great point, Femi, and both of these teams, both of these teams are, are not great pass rushing teams. I mean, the, 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 the Falcons are 32nd in sack per play, and, you know, the Chargers are, are uh, I'm excuse me, the, let me see. No, I'm sorry, I had the wrong team I was looking at there. Both of these teams, both of these teams will struggle, I think, getting the quarterback on the ground. I really mm -hmm. do. And when you look at it, you know, we'll see if they can make any plays, but I think that's the biggest issue is can you get this guy? Who's going to put the best pass rush on the field? That, to me, is the problem. Seahawks taking on the Cardinals down in the desert. The Seattle Seahawks two-point underdogs. I think a lot of people would be surprised by that. Total sitting at 49.5. Does the mayor get the win against the division rival? Uh, <laughs> you just look I, sick I, to Going back to that, char the Chargers <laughs> – the Chargers are 31st in sack per play. I meant okay. to say that. Uh, <laughs> let, let me say this about the, the mayor, okay? Like, this is one of those games where I have Seattle should be the favorite. Okay. And Seattle's getting points. I have Seattle should be a 6.68 favorite. Whoa! Yeah, I mean, I, 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 all my numbers, they're all based on numbers. They're not based on I, this is what I think. They're mm -hmm. not based on... You know, I think the moon's going to rise here. I think Dominic's going to get this kind of candy. Leo's going to get this kind of candy. It's not based on any speculative thing at all, right? Mm -hmm. It's all based on just numbers. And so, like my Minnesota number was last week against Arizona. I mean, look, I, I can't – I don't make up the numbers, right? And mm -hmm. Seattle's numbers the last three weeks defensively have been outstanding. Yes. And to go along with what they've done. Let me say this really clearly. 
Seattle is running the Sean McVay offense with Jared Goff to a T. To a T. It's the Jared Goff offense with, with Todd Gurley. It's the Jared Goff offense with their skill. They're running the football. They're doing everything that McVay did when he first went to Los Angeles. McVay, on the other hand, is running the Detroit Lions offense with Matt Stafford. Because every time McVay calls a pass, calls a run, he wants to kill himself because he knows it's going to be a one-yard gain. And he's, it just drives him crazy. Just drives him crazy. So to me, the, and Seattle has done a great job of playing the mayor. They understand how to rush him. The last three weeks defensively, they played very well. And they can move the ball. They can move the ball. I mean, look, they scored, they scored nine points the last time they played them. I was on C- I was on Arizona the last time. Where do you have Arizona rated in your power rankings real quick? I have Arizona rate Arizona has three three greens, two yellows and six and six reds. Seattle has five greens, two yellows and one red. I have Arizona ranked one let me see here. One, two, three. Yeah, six points. Is, up here. Six points is that's that's a that's a lot, but I mean it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean and, and if the bet and, and the difference between my numbers and, and Circa or or uh you know DraftKings any of those is is they have to balance it based on where the, where they think the betting's going to come in. Mm-hmm. I don't. I power rank. I have Seattle rank one, two, three. Four. I have Seattle as the ninth best, and I have Arizona. Okay. I have Arizona way down there. I mean, I have Arizona. I'd imagine this is yeah. again numbers based. Arizona is like twenty fourth, okay. behind Washington. Okay, well, we'll see what the mayor now, can do. An outlier, of my, an outlier of my power rankings, because they're so bad statistically, is Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of people's power rankings. That's why they keep covering games and surprising everybody. Yeah. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are hosting the L.A. Rams. Three-point favorites, the Bucs are a total 42-and-a-half here in a rematch of last year's NFC Divisional game. I mean, this might be – bet the over on how many passes are called in this game, because these are the two worst running teams in all of football. I mean, they, neither team can run the ball. You know, now Tampa has been prone to giving up. Tampa's not playing worth a darn. I mean, Carolina whooped them. I mean, you know, and neither are the Rams. That second half against the Rams was just horrible. I mean, think about this. The Rams are only strong in two of my categories. They're, they're, they have seven weaknesses. So does so does Tampa has six. But at least Tampa's good in five areas. So I, I had this game as a 4.5 game favoring Tampa. Yeah, I, I bet Tampa. I laid two and a half there. Uh, hopefully, I don't regret it when the, the ball kicks off Sunday. Finally, Sunday Night Football, Titans at the Chiefs. Kansas City coming off the bye, 12 and a half point favorites, total 46. Do you think Vrabel can keep this one close with his strategy? I mean, he couldn't do it against Buffalo. Buffalo just went, he couldn't do it. I don't know. You got to wait and see what Tannehill plays like. I had this as an 11.75 game. Uh, I, I just, to me, I would take Tennessee in the points because I think Vrabel's, I think Tennessee's playing way better defensively than people think they are. They're really good up front. This long kid can run. They're fast. They're athletic defensively. You know, and I think Vrabel will manage the game. And look, Henry can run the ball. They are going to be a two-back run team. And what the Raiders did effectively against, against Kansas City, if you go back, they ran two-back runs. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a read on this one. I didn't bet the game, but uh, I think Kansas City is clearly going to win the football game. But maybe it's close. Maybe it's not. Uh, but real quick, Michael, I'll, I'll make this prediction here. I think the Titans are going to be the team that. I think the Titans will be the team that give the Eagles their first loss of the season. 
Stow, stow that well, away. I, stow I that mean, away for December. I, I'll write that down. I might be stow with you away. on that one. I mean, yeah. look, I think Philly wants to lose a game. I don't think Philly wants to pitch a no hitter like they got thrown against them last night. Like I don't <laughs> think they want that. I think they want to have. Sorry, they want to have fans. home field, but they also want. They don't want that cloud hanging over them. You know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, that's a great book too, Femi. If you ever get a chance to read it, I think every coach should read it. Is the seventy-two is the history of the seventy-two Miami Dolphins of how they evolved and what they went through. Well, they'll be hoping to pop that champagne. I think they pop the champagne December third when they take on the Tennessee Titans. But Michael, let's get out of here. It's been a fun show as always. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to our producer Stephen Bond as always with us on the ones and twos. And Michael, I will talk to you on Monday as we react. I can't wait, Femi. I can't wait. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.